Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network family. Uh, Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. And with that said, let's get the first down here. Uh, Another week, another close loss, another good performance, but not good enough performance. Um, Kyle, what did you see from this team yesterday that you haven't already seen this season? Yeah, that's what Sam and I were saying. It was like Groundhog's Day or Groundhog's Day. Um, any, in any case, it's uh, there's no plural on Groundhog Day. But in any case, uh, it's been a, a wearying season. Uh, the title I had here for first down in our notes is perfectly predictable. And I said, oh, I think when I messaged to Sam yesterday, uh, watching the game, so they've since before the bye, they did so they had two on, so two wins, and then they had two losses, and then they had two wins, two losses, and two wins. And now we're back into the loss, uh, into the loss pattern uh, area of that pattern. And so it was just so predictable that the Vikings, of course, would play a close enough game to a good team, but never actually really threaten them. I never really felt like the Vikings were in a great spot to win that game. It's possible that if KJ Osborne makes that touchdown catch, which honestly was a good throw, I thought, from Cousins. Uh, it was tight coverage. Cousins still went for it. It's in Osborne's hands and it goes right through his hands. And so perhaps they, but then even then, you know, how confident do you really feel in the Vikings? And I think it's kind of crazy. It seems like the fan base at large is feeling the same way that I'm feeling, feeling the same way that Sam is feeling. Uh, so this is, uh, post-game press conference, uh, and Anthony Barr is one of the captains of the team, of course, first first pick, first first-round pick from Zim's tenure uh, with the Vikings, and they asked him uh, about the energy, or lack thereof, in U.S. Bank Stadium and why Zimmer had to go into the, the huddle before the game started. And so th- this is a quote. This is Anthony Barr's response about that lack of energy. And so he just told us we've got to bring our own energy because it didn't feel like – it felt like it was a little dead inside here today. It's usually got a nice buzz. And for some reason, it wasn't like that. I'm not saying that's why we lost. I'm just saying that I think that's why we came in there. That's why he came in there and was letting us know we had to play with a little more energy and find our own energy today. So this is a critical game. We're 7-7 and in the last playoff spot facing a conference rival. I was going to say division rival. It's actually a conference rival, a team that has beaten us in the past. Of course, we want to win. Of course, we want to get into the playoffs. And U.S. Bank Stadium lacks energy, lacks buzz, lacks that vibrancy, which really, you know, say what you want about the Vikings as a team, but the fan base is actually pretty committed. You know, we've been through a lot and we, and we stick with the team. And generally speaking, U.S. Bank Stadium is a pretty loud arena. Fans get pretty into it. Uh, and for it to lack that buzz, to me, that's a pretty damning indictment. I mean, do you read anything into that, Sam, apart from just – you know, it just kind of was what it was and no meaning necessarily? Or do you think that's actually the fan base kind of saying, you know what, it's it's time? Yeah, it's it's hard because I don't know if the fans that are at the game always are the perfect representation of 
the fan base as a whole, I guess. Yeah. And to an extent, they probably are. Um, like, I do think that if you're, like, you want to give your team every chance they you can to um, to win. Like, I guess in this sense, like, I'm not saying, I'm not choosing a side, but, it, like, if you want to label a side that I'm choosing, I, I kind of get where the players are coming from. Like, they, they we went into Chicago to Soldier Field uh, last week, and, like, that team has, has no chance of making the playoffs. And obviously it's a division rival, but like they were, they were loud. Uh, and it did seem like the fans took a little bit of time to, to warm up and to get to where um, you would expect for them to be from, from other games. So like read into it, uh, I guess a little bit, I don't know. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I, it is interesting in that, like, you know, the folks who are at the stadium aren't necessarily a perfect representation of the fan base as a whole. That's, that's certainly true. I mean, you know, I wonder how many, you know, how many fans are there and it's just like, you know, they got these tickets from work or, I mean, they're not necessarily huge fans, but uh, you wonder if like, there's like businesses that, you know, give out tickets or maybe around Christmas time, that kind of thing. And the folks who are there aren't necessarily huge Vikings fans. Uh, some of them at least, but I do, I'm certainly not being critical of the fans at us bank for not being loud. What I'm suggesting is that, you know, maybe they've given up on this team in this sense of like the Vikings are just so mediocre. They're so average and they have the capacity to be more than that. And so it's extremely disappointing that even after coming off two straight wins, even after being in a playoff spot, even after, you know, really controlling your own playoff destiny and, and who knows, maybe you get to 10 and seven, maybe you make a little run and see what happens. The fans just weren't into it. Uh, and so to me, and again, I kind of don't blame them, right? Cause, cause really did you, when, when you were going into that game, did you expect the Vikings to beat the Rams? No, but I thought that the, the hope was that they would go at least two and one. And I thought that they have a better chance of beating the Rams than they do the Packers for a second time this season. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah still, yeah. still certainly underdogs. Right. Yeah. And, and that's. You know, we're going to talk about that in third down or Sunday night prediction, but, um, you know, two and one would just be so typical. Uh, Ten and seven is very much like a respectable season. That's like, you know, you're a pretty good team. But of course, that's not going to be the Vikings. So at best case, they're going to be nine and eight, which, of course, would be quite fitting. Uh, Really, if they found some way to go eight, eight and one, that would just be perfect. You know what I mean? Like if they like tie the if they tie the Packers next uh uh, next week, but it was interesting. I don't know if you saw. Uh, so I got I got that that Anthony Barr quote from Ben Gosling's Twitter. So head over there and check that out. But then also on purpleptsd.com, Josh Fry has an article where he what's the title here? He says Vikings players give the reasons for Minnesota's latest loss, and he includes some quotes from Justin Jefferson, are basically saying, you know, one he talked about the lack of energy and how he's trying to get the guys pumped up, but then uh, he said, I feel we should be more aggressive. I was like, I feel we should be more aggressive, quote unquote. Uh, and that was in reference to in the red zone. Uh, and so that appears to be, I don't know how you could interpret it any other way other than a shot at Clint Kubiak. And so this is a bad look for the Vikings when your star sophomore is uh, voicing these concerns, saying that he's trying to pump up his dudes in the locker room. He has concerns about the plays that are being called in the red zone. Of course, you need to come away with points, especially when you're playing a really good team. And then the fans aren't super into it. Uh, this is concerning to me. 
right? And, and it should be concerning to the Wilfs and to, to Spielman as well, I think. For sure it is. I, like, and I, I, like, that was one of the big observations I had yesterday was just um, if you are going to beat a team like the Rams, you, and especially with the way that, that like, by the, like you were down almost the entire game, like you needed to be aggressive and yep. felt like there was just such a lack of that. And like the amount of times that they were in third and long situations was just so incredibly frustrating. Like you just, you can't consistently yep. convert when you're facing third down and six plus like third down and seven, third down, like 11, Like the amount of times that even like there was drives that it would have been better if cousins had just thrown two balls into the dirt um, because they lost yardage on these running plays. Yeah. Um, like obviously They're, you yeah. missed, you missed Delvin cook, um, but you like, and Jefferson, I know was going against Ramsey yesterday and that was kind of a fun, fun matchup, but like, I, like um, how, how many catches did Conklin have? Like, cause he had a couple of good plays, but I don't know if he caught the ball in the second half. In the end, Conklin finished with four for 44, which to my mind is kind of about where you want him to be. If he's going, you know, nine for 70 or whatever it is, some sort of inefficient nine catch performance, then something's probably wrong. I would say. So he finished with four for 44. Jefferson ended up finishing with eight for 116. Uh, some of that was off of Ramsey uh, when he wasn't being covered by Ramsey. Right. And Osborne was five for 68 and he had the touchdown. Um, he should have had two touchdowns. But in any case, uh, so Conklin wasn't too bad, I thought. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the offseason because he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking like there, if it felt like, um, with Thielen going down again, which yep. is just incredibly frustrating, um, it just felt like I'm surprised someone else didn't have more catches. Yeah, on this team, like and I like Jefferson. Like I saw that stat line of eight eight catches for 116 yards, and I was actually kind of surprised that he like that he had as many catches as he did mm-hmm. from watching watching the game. Yeah, I think some some of it came at the ends. And uh, so, of course, a lot of the Kirk Cousins naysayers will love that garbage time stats. Uh, you know, again, if, if you go over to Purple PTSD, I wrote about um, before the game, you know, how Clint Kubiak is the only Viking who can slow down Aaron Donald. How Clint Kubiak is really the only one who can uh, they don't they don't there's no offensive lineman on the roster who can hang with Aaron Donald. Like, it's not like we have Quentin Nelson. Like, it's not like we have like elite, elite uh, offensive linemen. And so. I, I don't know. I had some sort of stupid metaphor in there about, you know, putting all his best plays in his cauldron and kind of brewing up some sort of incredible game plan. Uh, and it just wasn't there. Right? Like this was like the, the game plan had to be so inspired to beat the Rams. You really get the sense that uh, you really get the sense that the offense had to be just dynamic 40 points, you know, kind of thing. Like just the Rams are on their heels all night, just off balance. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting vertical penetration but the Vikings are doing such a wonderful job in terms of bootlegs and play actioning and mixing in the screens and the end arounds and just, they just keep them totally off balance. And that of course didn't happen. And so it was really discouraging. And it felt like this was kind of the game where we really needed the offensive coordinator to step up with some sort of masterful performance. Um, Cause they clearly were so overmatched at different spots, you know, especially you think, especially with Aaron Donald. But then also the fact that Ramsey is going to get the best of Jefferson on various occasions. Jefferson's going to get the best of Ramsey on various occasions. That's fine. But you can't go to Jefferson at will. 
right? And, and so that metric is critical. And then with Thielen having his ankle busted up, um, it's not entirely shocking that he didn't make it through the game, right? And so it was disappointing to see how uninspired the team was. And I really do wonder, um, maybe, maybe we should hop in second down, mm-hmm. uh, what, what the implications of that are moving forward. For sure. Well, yeah, we got this team now that's uh, seven and eight, two games left. It certainly doesn't feel like it's done. Like I don't, I, I feel like the teams they're battling for a playoff spot. I don't, I don't have any confidence that um, they're going to win out, uh, but like the odds are low. Like actually what, like I, I was on a few different prediction sites. I know one of the one that one of them I have up is five thirty-eight. Um what would you say that the you, you'd estimate the Vikings playoffs odds are at this point? Yeah, so I, I, will, I will preface this in that I, I go to 538 probably once a week or so, check out the Vikings. And so I had a bit of a sense in terms of where they were before the game. I think they're around 40% or so. Um, with the loss, the Eagles won, the Saints still have to play. I would put the Vikings somewhere around 10%. I, in terms of what, where 538 has them, I would guess around 10%. Yeah, so they got them at 11%. Yeah, that's that's not surprising to me. Yeah, um, I know uh, the New York Times has them at sixteen percent. Um, okay, su- Super Bowl percentage uh, five thirty eight's got them zero point one. So uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's still a chance. I think I think you're like contractually obligated to do that if you have a playoff chance. Um, yeah, right. Although right. although some teams ha- has it less than one percent. Um, yeah. Regardless, this team. I guess, and this is one of the things I was thinking, like, in some ways it feels like they're just, um, you can, you can say they either do just enough to stay in the hunt or they just aren't doing enough to get themselves into a, a, a position. And I think it's become the later that they just, they haven't been, a, been able to do enough. And like, I, while I still like 11% is not nothing like that's, it's not, it's not terrible but it's it's certainly not good um so it does feel like this team is likely headed towards uh missing the playoffs again and so within that i know the nfl is uh, and you've explained this to me uh before that the the nfl's put in this new two-week rule so we're entering this in entering into this as of tuesday tomorrow is that is that right tuesday at 8 a.m tuesday um do you see the vikings utilizing this new um this new rule in terms of the search for a possible new head coach so that's that's the million dollar question so i'm doing all these i'm mentioning all these people and doing all these shout outs but this is over on pro football talk where um i believe it's florio yeah there you go florio always uh gets strong reactions he's a man with strong opinions so people have strong opinions about him so this this is his little blurb about the vikings right so keep in mind so tuesday morning 8 a.m teams with a head coaching vacancy can start interviewing candidates, right? And so that's not insignificant. That's before you have to wait to the end of the regular season. Uh, so this is what he, Florio has to say about the Vikings. They remain alive for a playoff berth, but there's not an ideal interim replacement on the staff, which means that the Vikings will sit tight and then fall behind the other teams looking for new coaches after the Vikings inevitably fail to make the playoffs. So I agree and disagree on this. So I do think they'll fail to make the playoffs because simply put, they're just, they're just not good enough. And we even saw that in the Steelers win and the Bears win. They're not really a great team, right? Even when they win, you're saying to yourself, my dear, what what are they doing? Uh, And so I agree that they'll fail to make the playoffs. In terms of an interim, 
I think everyone agrees that Andre Patterson would likely be the interim head coach. And I would feel just fine about that in that we all respect Andre Patterson. He's an excellent defensive line coach. The work he does with the D linemen in Minnesota. I mean, you, you can't get any better. I, I, I just think he's so wonderful. And so if, if the Vikings do move on from Zim, the hope to my mind would be that they somehow find a way to hold on to Andre Patterson. And if they do decide to fire Zim tonight, tomorrow morning, uh, which I don't necessarily foresee, but if they do, and if they did, uh, then Andre Patterson, I think, would be a fine interim head coach. Uh, now, the one thing there, maybe I'll talk this over to Sam. What do you, what's your general philosophy in terms of like the coaching scramble and this sense of urgency that sometimes accompanies it in that if you, you know, you're always going to have a, a handful of names who are kind of like the hot names that year. And you say, you know, you know, this is the new, this is like the latest boy wonder, like Sean McVay or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so there's always a handful of coaches who kind of have that sense of got to have them. And if you don't, then you missed out. Uh, do you buy into that and, and think that that, you know, there's, there's some truth to that and that you really want to get the, the eye popping names, like the, the headline grabbing names, or do you think it's basically just kind of much ado about nothing? Yeah, it coaching feels like um, coaching feels like a crapshoot at times. Um, yep. I do feel like with the Vikings, they're looking for like they they would like longevity, right? You've mentioned the comments that have been made by by the ownership group, like they are looking to kind of follow that Pittsburgh Steelers model yes. of having someone in here for eight to ten years. And I guess in that sense, um, you're probably looking for someone established. Uh, I don't like. I think it looks great on a team if you're able to get this new boy wonder that no one yep. is really aware of, or or maybe that there's just starting to be some buzz about them. And like, if that can be the guy, and you can have them for eight ten years, like that's fantastic. Um, I do think that it's interesting. What I would be interested to see is how many, if you pulled every single NFL fan base, how they feel about their coach, um, what what they would say in terms of like majority of fans wanting to keep their coach versus not because at times right. it feel, and I guess it probably depends week, week to week. Um, but it, <laughs> it does feel like it would be less than 50% of the teams that feel like they like their head coach. Um, yeah. And it's just hard to like, in that sense, what I'm saying is like how many good coaches are there out there that teams are like really in love with? Um, and like, like, I think there's a lot of quality people that can do the job, but it feels at times like it's really hard to get that person that everyone's like, yeah, this is the guy and that they are in a position where they, they feel good enough that, that this is a coach that can lead them to where, um, where they need to go. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Right. Like, you know, you kind of get the sense that like head coaching approval ratings are like the presidential approval ratings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one's ever pleased with the president after a year. Right. So like, you know, you kind of wonder in a sense of we yeah, had New England's probably pretty happy. I imagine most folks in Tampa Bay are pretty happy. They're coming off the Super Bowl. Packers fans are probably OK with Matt LaFleur. You know, you, you can definitely I mean, man, if I was in Indianapolis, I'd be pretty happy with Frank Reich. My dear. Right. He's done just a phenomenal job. So I think that you could probably scrape together 10 to 15 fan bases. But there's probably a good half or more that that aren't super in love with their head coach. 
Um, and I think where I would, you know, where I would say that the Vikings fan base and maybe the management and ownership, if they're kind of getting uh, a little bit discouraged, you know, Zim's had eight years. You know, this, this, isn't, this isn't just a sudden reaction. There's been eight years behind this. And there's been, there's been one excellent team and, and they made it to the semifinals and that was fine and, and, and the disappointingly, but it was a very great season. Uh, there's been a handful of pretty good years, right? Where they've, you know, made the playoffs, that kind of thing. They even won a game with cousins, uh, but it's probably getting to be about time. And it's concerning to me if the fans are get, starting to get checked out and if uh, the players, especially not just any player, but Justin Jefferson, this is your dude. Like this, this is, you know, whoever comes in, whichever direction this team goes in, if they full scale rebuild or they try and reload or keeps him or not keeps him, whatever, Justin Jefferson is the future of this team. He's the, he's the present and the future, right? Who you're really building around. He is this season, probably the only elite player you have. You get several good players, probably a handful of very good players like Harrison Smith, Eric Hendricks are very good. Michael Pierce is very good. But elite, 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 tippy top of their position, Justin Jefferson. That's it. That's that's probably your your lone superstar on the team right now. And the kid's like 22, isn't he? So like, oh boy, you know what I mean? It's it's the team really needs uh, really needs something something good here. And I, I I'm here at this point. This is what I'll say. I don't think necessarily that the Vikings will fire. Uh, Zim with, with two weeks left but if they did I don't think anybody could criticize them as being somehow reactionary or short-sighted uh, and if they did do that I don't imagine they'd make a hire super super quickly it would really be about uh, casting a wide net gathering more information and really doing their due diligence for that next head coaching hire um, so we'll see we'll, we'll see I, I don't anticipate Zim being fired but uh, if they do, I don't think anyone could really be super, super critical of the Wilfs or Spielman at this stage. No, like, I think from the, like, at this point, I feel like you, you've kind of run its course. I feel, one, I will say, I don't think you can fire a coach. Uh, I don't think they will fire Zim until that playoff odd gets to 0%. Um, because it just doesn't seem to make sense. I, like, unless there is a name out there that you are like, this is the guy you have to go for it. Um, I don't see him getting fired until till the end of the season. And I think even just from a respect standpoint, um, I think that like it just feels like at this point, it's probably best for everyone to just part ways. At this point, it feels like it'd be best for the team, best for Zim, best for, for the team or for the um, ownership. Um, I will say too, and, and just to kind of wrap up this point, you need to figure out what this team is before you hire a coach. Like, are you hiring a coach for a rebuilding team? Or are you trying to piece it together again and go for it again next year? Like, um, I, I don't really know what this team is moving forward. I don't, I don't know if, if that, if next year is a go for it year or if next year is a, you know what, let's scale it back. Like maybe we actually like there's, there is a trading of a couple of pieces. I know I've seen lots of uh, fascinating articles about Kirk cousins being traded for uh, different pieces and, I know you wrote a piece yeah. about that. And and so like you do need to hire a coach that fits the team. And I don't know, like it hasn't been clear to me 
what this team is doing, what the direction will is that they're going. And I guess that's for the off season, uh, but you do need to hire a coach that matches um, that direction. That's totally fair. I mean, at this point, Sam's just talking about like basic leadership, like setting a vision, right. For the team and the organization to pursue having an identity, you know what I mean? And, 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 and an approach to fulfilling that vision. It's really important, right? Like, like that's leadership one-on-one. So whatever decision they do come to, whether it's somehow keeping Zimmer or moving on to the next person, uh, having that clear vision and then actualizing a plan to fulfill that vision is obviously just going to be, you know, just your foundation going forward. So we'll see. I can say one of the cornerstones of that foundation is 100% Justin Jefferson. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. 100%. It, I, as you say that, like, it feels like it would be, I wonder why teams don't do it more. I'm sure there's reasons but why teams don't actually put out a little bit more transparency in terms of the vision that they, they have as a, as a organization. Like, I understand that, like, obviously you want to advertise for winning and, and encourage that, but um, yeah, I, I feel like that would be helpful uh, to like, <laughs> yeah, okay. to see that and just like, just some expectations. Um, good. Well, let's, let's wrap up here with, uh, with some Sunday night football predictions and, we got the the Packers for the second time uh, this year, and like I, I don't know how to ask you about this. Like um, maybe in a sense, like how confident are you in the ability to win? Or maybe the question is even like, what are you hoping to see? Because um, it does feel like for you, like the season is kind of over at this point, and uh, then we start talking a little bit about draft position stuff. But but it is the Packers, and I know that. You yep. would love to to beat the Packers. So where where's your head at? Exactly. So right now the Packers are first overall in the NFC, which is obviously horrendous. Uh, we're in ninth overall, which is uh, horrendous as well. Uh, so Joe Johnson, God bless him, he's since passed away. Uh, but before he passed, he used to talk about or he I I seem to recall him mentioning that even in the seasons when the Vikings were awful, he wanted them to go two and fourteen. Because that was, you know, that was before the 17 game regular season. Uh, and the idea being that even when this team was tanking, horrendous, you're gunning for that first overall pick, you want to beat the Packers twice. And so I don't think there's ever going to come a point in my life where I say, yeah, let's, you know, for the sake of tanking, let's just let Green Bay win this one, especially, especially when it comes, uh, you know, with the caveat that Green Bay is really gunning for that single bye week, right? So Dallas is breathing down their neck. The Rams are just behind them. Tampa Bay is just behind them. There are three teams at 11 and four. Uh, and so I think Minnesota, their last gift to us before they inevitably uh, screw up this season, I would hope would be a win over the Packers. Does that mean I'm picking the Vikings over the Packers? No. But it does mean that that's what I'm certainly hoping for. Uh, if we can get that win, which is always satisfying even in and of itself, and then if we can make the playoffs more difficult for Green Bay, oh, man, that'd be excellent. That'd be excellent. And so I, I'm certainly hoping for a win. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts here, Sam? Yeah, I, I feel like w- it, wouldn't it be um, just comical for them to beat the Packers, come out of this next week, actually having a chance to make the playoffs and then lose to, to the Bears? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But – I actually, I'll say that I actually feel 
Um, even especially or even with the loss yesterday, I feel more confident that they'll be able to pull together for a very competitive performance and even a win against this Packers team. It does feel like um, this team does seem to rally when they absolutely need to, uh, which is kind of disappointing in some ways in that they just can't seem to put it together earlier. Um, like it feels like at every point of the season that you're like, it's getting into must win territory, even at the very start of the season, like they do seem to pull out a win and yep. like it has got to must win territory now. Like this is, you get, you got to win out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they can do it. And I guess this is the part that's so frustrating about the season is that like they've beaten this team before they've beaten what many say is the best team in the NFL. Um, yep. And like actually beat them quite well. And like they've, they've hung in every single game against uh, these teams. Like it just, it um, it's just like a, a tease, but I'll, I'll say I just I do feel like they um, I'll, I think they'll have a very strong performance. I think that we'll look back. I'm gonna, I'm going to say that this will be one of uh, one of the best performances they've had this season. Okay, I'm right now, and maybe this is just the Monday morning blues, but I'm going to say this is actually one of their worst performances of the season. Uh, and so my prediction is that it looks close in the end because they accumulate some some points and stats at the end uh but in reality it's it's not close and and uh i'm very i i don't imagine uh the vikings are going to have too too many answers for what the packers can throw at them now mind you the packers don't do a very good job of stopping the run and their special teams have been just horrendous go back and rewatch them play the, the bears game uh like comically bad so uh, you know, it's it's who knows. Many maybe uh, Kenny Nwangu, he maybe he, you know, gets another touchdown. Maybe uh, uh, some good things happen on the ground. But uh, dear, uh, I just can't see this team beating the Packers on Sunday Night Football. And I do wonder, you know, Sam was saying when that percentage goes down to zero, if they lose, um, you know, if they lose Sunday Night Football, and if you partner that with an Eagles win. I would say that's not that I'm some math wizard, but I think that's probably hundred percent done. And so I wouldn't, it wouldn't be shocking to me if the Vikings go out and lose, especially since, you know, the players lack energy, the fans lack energy. You go out and lose Sunday night football, you bring that percentage down to zero. uh, And then maybe with a week left, especially since you can start that official head coaching search, maybe you take advantage of that extra week. So that's kind of my prediction here. Oh, it's so not like, that they'll do anything now. Yeah, so that that's in a sense like you're saying that Zim could be done. At, like next week could be his final coach or final coaching performance with with the Minnesota Vikings. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. And no matter how no, no matter how much they say it doesn't matter, and some franchises are great at this, and others aren't great at this. I, I do think fan opinion matters to a certain extent because at the end of the day, it is a business, and at the end of the day, they want to make money. Um, and so if you're consumers i.e. the fans aren't happy, then you have reason to be concerned. If the consumers aren't enthused about consuming, then you have reason to be concerned. And so uh, a Sunday night football loss to the Packers to give them potentially the, the bye week and for us to be eliminated from the playoffs, especially if it involves a lack of motivation from the players, game over, game over. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm really curious. I, like, I, I think that um, 
regardless you're of how you feel with this team, you're going to check into that game on Sunday night. Cause they're like, oh, yeah. it's the Packers. Yeah. They're still hoping. And I know like last year finishing off the season against, was it the lions? The, the last game, I think of, of 20, the 2020 season, I think it was. Cause I just remember it being like one of the worst football games I've watched like two, <laughs> like <laughs> two teams, just like they were out of it. Um, but anyways, you've got two, two division rivals to finish off the season. Uh, and I'm cheering for two wins. Um, All right. For, forget, forget draft position. Just go for it. Um, good. Well, I will, we'll, we'll be back, I guess, next Monday to, to talk about it. Uh, quickly wrapping up our, our odds and ends here with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, mm-hmm. the, there hasn't been any NHL hockey to talk about. Uh, everything's been postponed with, with COVID and they already have a holiday break that's, that's in there. Uh, the Minnesota Wild don't have a game scheduled until January 1st, which is their winter classic. Um, and at this point, there's just all hopes are that they'll be able to be healthy to be able to play that game yeah. and that, that it's not going to be postponed. And I do feel like the NHL is going to get, um, like at some point they're going to play games and they're going to have to make it work. Uh, and I think this winter classic, they really want to make it work with sponsorships and with just the importance that this game has. Um, so it, uh, just, it's a weird time to be, be a fan of the, of the NHL with, with the way that COVID has been working. Now, um, I saw in the head, I haven't actually read anything about it, but I just saw in the headlines that the NHL is bringing back taxi squads. And so certainly that make games like this one more plausible, right? And that you have more available players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, the NHL is adapting and which they have to. Um, obviously taxi squads are something that they've put in that, that mean that players are getting paid, but, um, they're able to avoid being impacted by the salary cap. And obviously it's not desirable because it, it's a loss of, of revenue. Um, and yep. there's already a big, big debt that the, the players have to the owners that they're trying to pay back, but, um, you, they need to play games. And, uh, if, if you're not playing games then you're not going to have any revenue either. So I, I do think that that certainly makes it more plausible. Um, the, the, the other note that I wanted to mention about the Minnesota Wild is, as we previewed last week, there is the World Juniors going on right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. Minnesota Wild has six players represented. Uh, Jesper Wallstead from Sweden, Carson Lambos from Canada, Jack Pert from U.S., Ryan O'Rourke from Canada, Pavel Novak from uh, Czechia, and Marek Kustodinov from Russia. Uh, Kustodinov is, is the captain of Russia, uh, Wallstead is the starting goalie for Sweden. Um, and it's neat, neat to see. I think the, the Minnesota Wild are represented well at this tournament. And I know watching yesterday, um, some good performances. I know uh, Pert had an assist. Uh, Novak had an assist. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, again, Kyle and I have been banging this drum for a while, but oh, this yeah. is a great tournament and uh, lots yeah. of hockey on throughout the day, most, most days from now until, uh, for sure, until the end of, end of uh 2021 and then then you get into the the um elimination and 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 middle round games and and it's just uh it's great i i will say that i know you're kind of picking on me last week for choosing sweden but after watching yesterday uh, and sweden always does this in the round robin games where they they play really well and then they seem to fall apart in the middle round um i i will say if i'm going to choose a team other than canada i'm choosing sweden you know i was going to ask you about that 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 locked in guarantee that Sweden was going to run the table. Uh, very bold prediction that you can go back and listen to. Uh, 
Sweden does look like a good team. But as Sam was saying, they always look like an elite team in the round robin. They never lose in the round robin. They're always incredible. And then uh, they're kind of like the Vikings. And well, I guess we don't win as much. But in the sense that, you know, when they get to these critical games, they often don't pull through. Uh, but Sweden is a good squad. Now, I will say they it ended up being close with Russia. And there was 4-3. They're at 4-1. And then it was 4-3. And you're saying, OK, we might have a game on our hands. And then it was a Red Wings prospect, actually, Niederbach, I believe, who made a 5-3. Um, so I, the only thing I'll add to what Sam was saying is, well, two things, uh, hockey fans in the States who don't prioritize this tournament need to reconsider, uh, the decisions they're making in life. This is a, just such an exceptional tournament. I think Sam would probably agree with this, but like when I look back on some of my most cherished memories with family and my most cherished memories as a sports fan, it revolves around the world juniors, you know, like this holiday tradition fantastic tournament wonderful energy and you're you're seeing the guys who are going to be in the nhl in the next two three four five years and so i just think it's great and then the second thing is if you're a wild fan it's always fun when you have players in this tournament right you can check in on them and, and see how they perform against the other best players of their age group but it's even better when they're playing prominent positions for their countries and so I don't know. I, I think that's exciting for wild fans where you can check in on a Sweden game and every save or not save, you know, is, is being made uh, by this player who you're hoping is the goalie of the future. Right. And you watch the Russia game, the captain is, you know, one, one of your future building blocks. And so that, that's my plug for the world juniors. Neither of us are sponsored by the IIHF or the, you know, or, or whoever is responsible for this world junior tournament, but we just think it's an amazing amazing sporting event yeah well they can reach out we'll take money although i don't know absolutely the for our um there's a little bit of uh shady shady stuff yeah. happening there so maybe yeah, not true we'll, maybe we'll, we'll hold out for something um a little more morally uh um good maybe i'll just say <laughs> yeah. um yeah, there you go yeah <laughs> what's the word it's it's uh the language isn't always flowing. Um, Kyle, where can listeners find uh, your stuff? Main spot is purpleptsd.com. Uh, you can also head over to vikingsgazette.com. It's the site I started, but it's pretty quiet over there these days. Um, yeah, purpleptsd is probably the best spot. Go check it out. Beauty. I, again, I've I've actually I've been reading more and more of your stuff, and um, Kyle is a, a great writer. He's a great communicator on this podcast, uh, and even better writer um so be sure to check that stuff out um anyways with our thanks to purple pain forums and tppn have a great week everyone